Welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today, church? It is a joy to be here with you today. How many of you were actually here last week to hear Aaron Beasley give, give the talk and close out the series? Didn't he do a good job? Awesome. Love that guy. Aaron Beasley was a student in the ministry here when I was actually the high school pastor. We go back, way back when Aaron actually had hair in high school. It's amazing. Um, I gave him some pastoral advice last week before he stepped up and gave the talk and it was real spiritual and it was real focused and it was just this God moment. I said, Aaron, just don't screw it up. <laughs> so I'm glad that he did a good job and I'm thankful that he stepped up. And so uh, Aaron, if you're watching uh, somewhere, uh, thank you, appreciate it. I wanna welcome everyone watching live at Banta at Franklin and online. Give it up for our online campus, online audience, everybody else. Great to be with you all across the country and even across the world. So we're starting a brand new series today called Adulting. See that? Love, love this idea called adulting. Some of you are like, what does that mean, adulting? Well, it's really the process of becoming a mature person. You know, like a, a, a contributing member to society, someone who can do what they need to do when they need to do it, someone who's responsible, someone who treats people with respect, someone who can hold down a job, someone who can raise a family, you know, an adult. Have you noticed there's not an epidemic of adulting going on in our world today? <laughs> Hence the series called Adulting. And so I think you would all agree that as time goes by, we should mature. Yes or no? Like if a decade goes by, some, like we should actually be more mature in our lives. And, and that's the way it should go. But it is, by experience, you know, and you know this, uh, that's not always how it works, is it? How many of you have an uncle, an aunt, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad that a decade has gone by and they have not matured at all? Raise your hand. Now, if they're with you today, if they're with you today, do not poke them or look at them. Just keep your head straight. Hey, it may be you. You may be in your, in your 40s, maybe early 50s and haven't made much progress in the area of maturity. You know, it's interesting, we also come across these people who are like in their late teens and early 20s, and they're incredibly mature. Have you ever met somebody of these people? You know, and, and, it, and somebody said, nope. <laughs> they're out there, they're out there. And this is what we say about those people. We say, man, that girl, you know, 18, 19, that guy's 21, 22, they're so mature for their, see, you said it, you've said it, right? And, and, and when we say that, we're actually, we actually fall into that lie that, that, that somehow it has something to do with their age, that maturity is connected to, to time. And it's just not. Like in your notes, if you're a note taker, I hope you are. Time does not grow us up. Like the passage of time does not produce an adult. Do you agree with me, yes or no? Yeah, it doesn't. So if it's not time, then what is it? And I'm here to tell you today that it is our choices that grow us up. It is our choices. To be a human being is to be a deciding being. That's the way Viktor Frankl said it one time. You and I are who we are and where we are because of the choices that we have made in our lives. It's the choices that we make that grow us up. So in this series, a very simple series, straightforward series, we're gonna talk about several key choices, several key decisions that you and I need to make, regardless of what age you are, in order to become an adult. We've got a lot of content to cover today, so I'm gonna jump right into the first one. You ready for this? Are you guys like sitting on the edge of your seat, like you got your pens, okay? This is awesome stuff, ready? Adult choose to face reality. They choose to face reality. That simply means that they come to grips with what's true, with what's going on in their lives, which, which, what's going on in the world. That's what adults choose to do. I remember years ago, 
I went to uh, Liberty University for college. I was about 600 miles away from home. Never really been that far away from home. My first year of college, I went to NYU. It was like high school on steroids. You know, I got to stay at home and go to class. And, and uh, my second year of college, I was way away from my, my home, my, my parents. And I remember about seven days into my journey at Liberty University, I ran out of clean underwear. If this was a predicament, this was a problem, what do you do? I mean, you're 19 years old, you have no clean underwear. For, I'm the youngest of three boys for my entire life. My mom washed my laundry, she folded my laundry, and many times she even put the laundry in the drawers. Amen for mothers, <laughs> right? But this was a rude awakening. I suddenly had no clean laundry. What the heck do you do without clean underwear? I don't know. Somebody said, you got to wash it. Well, where's the, where's the washing machine? Like, how do you run a washing machine? Where do you get detergent? Where do you buy detergent? I don't know the answers to these questions. <laughs> Suddenly, I have to find quarters. I've got to go get laundry detergent. I've got to find the laundromat. I've got to wash the clothes. I've got to sit there and wait for them to, to, to be done washing. And then I've got to put them in the dryer. Are you serious? The dryer takes 50 minutes, and you've got to wait because, because there's a line of other students that if you're not there to get your clothes out of the dryer, they will take your clothes and they will put them on the floor. Welcome to college, right? Because they've got to dry their clothes. And so you've got to wait, and it's this, it's this three-hour process, you know? I'm thinking to myself, I want to go home. <laughs> not that bad, but man, talk about facing reality. That was crushing. Sometimes we're forced to face reality. Ever been there? <laughs> right? Most of the time we can, we can choose to face reality. That's what adults do. And, and, and we have a whole language around this whole idea of facing reality. We try to mostly help our friends face reality. We're not so concerned about ourselves. Have you noticed this? Like we'll see a friend who's got a problem with anger and we'll say, um, you know, you really have a problem with anger. Like it's an, it's an issue in your life. No, it's not that bad. And it's, you know, I know I blew up at my boss and got fired last week, but it's, it's okay. You know, it's not that. But you want to talk about somebody who's really angry, like my father, you know, or something like that. And, and, but we try to help our friends. We say, hey, if you keep treating your husband that way, he's going to eventually leave you. No, no, it's not. We, what are we trying to do? We're trying to help our friends come to grips with what's true in their life. Hey, you really do have an issue with, with, with social media. Like, you can't put it down. No, no, everybody's doing it. You know, it's like, no, no, I'm serious. Like, you're addicted to social media. No, no, I'm not. We try to help our friends. We, we don't really try to help ourselves, but we try to help the people around us. You really do have a spending problem. You know, if you keep spending like that, man, you're going to be, one day you're going to have all this debt. You're not going to be able to pay it off. And you're going to fall into bankruptcy and you shouldn't have bought that. We, we love helping our friends come to grip with what? With, with reality. It's so easy to see in other people's lives. It's, sometimes it's many times it's hard to see in our own life. You know, I love the book of Proverbs. Anybody? Proverbs? Like it? Okay, you should really like Proverbs. Everybody's hands should be up because Proverbs, it's a great little book of pithy sayings. There's 31 little chapters. You can read them really quick. One, you can pick one proverb for every month. And the reason I love Proverbs so much is because it's written from a, a parent to a child. It's written from a father to a son. And I want you to look at the purpose of Proverbs. He tells us in chapter one, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Basically, to understand reality. Like, what's really going on? He says their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. Father to a son, pay attention, watch this. Son, these Proverbs will give insight to the, say it with me, the simple, the naive, the, peop, the ones that don't yet understand how things work. They will give knowledge and discernment to the, say it with me, the young. Why? We come into this world without an idea of how things actually work. Proverbs. 
Spend time in them because each one is just a picture of reality, how things work in relationships, how things work with your sexuality, how to relate to God, how to get through this life and, and plan and work hard. Love the book of Proverbs. That's not what this series is about, though, spending time in Proverbs, although we will look at many Proverbs. Let me ask you a question. Why is it so difficult to face reality? Why is it so hard for people to just look at it and look at what's really happening in their lives? I think the answer is simple, and I think you know what it is if you're a note taker. Because the truth is what? It's painful. (laughs) That's why. We don't like to look at reality because it hurts, right? This is why it's hard to tell somebody that their breath stinks. (laughs) Right? We struggle with this. This is, I struggle when somebody's got something in their teeth and you're talking to them and you can see it. I struggle to tell them, hey, you gotta, you gotta. <laughs> or if they've got a hanger, that's even worse. <laughs> it's kind of in there and you, and you wanna tell them, but you're thinking, gosh, it's so awkward if I tell them, you know. Now I can tell the people close to me, like that I'm, 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 I'm really close with, like my family members or whatever, hey, you got something, you know, get it. But if you don't, like, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, if you're not that close with them, like, you don't say that. Like, you just kind of like. <laughs> the truth hurts. That's why it's so hard to face reality. See, if you and I face reality, we might have to do something about the dysfunctional relationship. We don't want to. If we're honest about what's going on inside of ourselves, we might have to look at who we are and say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually a dishonest person. I'm a manipulator, I'm passive aggressive. I have a problem with pornography. I have a problem with lying. We don't wanna mess with that stuff, right? Like we, we treat our souls like we treat our cars. Like we keep the hood shut until it breaks down and then we take it to somebody else and say, hey, can you fix this? Like nobody wants to open the hood up. Like we don't even know what's going on in there anymore. We don't know how to fix it. So we just keep that thing shut. We do the same thing with our soul. Like I'm not looking under the hood. I don't want to see what's in there, right? So it's hard, it's hard. It's painful to look inside and, and realize that you actually don't like people. <laughs> That's tough to come to grips with. And so we don't face reality because it's hard. Like, if we, can, if we face reality, other people might find out what we're actually like, and we can't handle that. Oh my gosh, what will people think? They might find out that I'm this, I'm like this, and, and so what do we do? We don't face it. And so instead of facing reality, we fall into this pattern of living in denial. We live in denial. We just create a story, we create, we create a lie, we, we tell ourselves it's not that bad, I really don't have a problem with my eating, I really don't have a problem with my spending. I mean, you wanna talk about somebody who's got a problem with their eating, look at her, look at him, right? We point fingers. We tell stories like, well, the reason that I struggle with alcohol is because it's in my family. I'm Irish, see, it's just passed down. I can't help but drink a six pack a day because it's in the blood, right? Or I can't help being 25, 50 pounds overweight because my family's big bone. Like we tell these stories to ourselves, right? And, and the reason that we tell these stories is it, it, it lets us off the hook and we don't have to face the truth and it's less painful and we want to avoid pain and experience comfort and pleasure. Am I crazy or not? Yes or no? We create these stories, we, we tell ourselves lies and, and we deceive ourselves so that we don't have to face the truth. And then some of us, we, we kind of, we're a little bit, little bit better, we might, we might acknowledge the truth, but we still don't want to face it, so what do we do? We, we medicate, we self-medicate. We know there's an issue, we know that, that our, our, our high school student is hanging out with friends that, that, that are eventually going lead, to lead him astray, lead her astray. We, we understand that, that there's issues in the marriage and, 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 and we, we, we come to grips with it, but we don't want to face it, so instead we'll just go get a bottle of wine. We'll just go crack open a, a, a case of beer or whatever. 
We'll just get on social media and binge for hours. Or we'll just get on the internet and start looking at pornography or, or go gamble or, or, or go to the refrigerator and get a gallon of, of, of cookies and cream ice cream. Man, that stuff is good. And, and what do we do? Those are escapist behaviors. And here's what's so crazy about these behaviors. They work for a while, you know, but then the high wears off and the ice cream's gone and the game is over and, and you gotta, then, then reality's still there. And here's what I've noticed in, in, in other people's lives and my life is that if you and I refuse to face reality, if we live in denial, if we self-medicate, the problems do not go away. In fact, the issues, they get worse. There's a snowball compounding effect to the problems in our life if we don't face them. Have you noticed this? And eventually it leads to diabetes, because you never took care of yourself, or heart disease. Eventually the marriage gets to the point where it's beyond reconciliation, divorce. Eventually, the relationship with the son or the daughter gets to the point where you can't talk to each other. It like problems, problems don't go away if you don't face them. I was reading this in a book called Living Forward, a great book by Michael Hyatt in chapter three. He said this, love this comment. He said, the truth is you can't improve what you don't face and own. The problems you encounter in your health, your marriage, your parenting, your career, personal finances will not just magically disappear. They have to be confronted and dealt with. That's what adults do. Adults just simply make a decision to face into reality and deal with it. There's a guy in the Bible who refused to deal with reality. His name's King David, great man of God. The Bible even says he was a man after God's own heart. And I love the scriptures because they just tell the truth. They don't cover it up. David's out one day on the top of his roof. He looks over, he sees a woman who's bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. He lusts, lusts after her. He calls her into his castle. He's the king and he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. He only wants a couple of moments of pleasure, he ends up with a pregnant woman who's not his wife. He's in trouble. Instead of facing reality, instead of owning what he's done, he goes into denial mode, he goes into cover-up mode, he tries to cover the whole deal up by bringing Uriah, her husband, off the battlefield so that he can sleep with her and call the baby their own. His plan doesn't work. He goes to plan B because he's a strategic thinker, he's the leader of Israel, and he resorts to murder. He says, put Uriah out on the front lines where the battle is fiercest and then pull back your forces so that he is killed by arrows and stones. And sure enough, the plan works as so David thinks. After a period of mourning, Bathsheba mourns her husband, Uriah. He takes Bathsheba into his castle and makes her his wife. He thinks everything's gonna be perfect. He's gonna raise the child as his own. But the problem was everything he did was done in the sight of God. And God was displeased with his behavior. You could read the whole story, 2 Samuel chapter 11, when you get home. So in chapter 12, God sends a guy named, some of you know the story, his name is what? Nathan to David. David Nathan tells David the story. Hey, David, I got a story for you. Two guys, one very wealthy, very rich, many flocks, many herds of sheep. One guy's poor. He's only got one little ewe lamb to his name. He takes care of it like it's his own daughter. The, the lamb lives in the house. Suddenly a, a guest comes to the rich man and instead of the rich man taking one of the lambs from his many folds of sheep, he takes the poor man's sheep and slaughters it and pre prepares a meal for his guests. Nathan tells David this short little story. David is beside himself. Listen to what he says, chapter 11, verse five. 
David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to say it with me, die. He has so deceived himself, he has so covered up his, his story, he's told himself, well, I'm the king, I can do kind of what I want, I can get away with it. He doesn't even realize that Nathan is talking about him. And so Nathan has to lay reality on him and lay it on him thick. Listen to what he says. David, you are the man. I'm talking about you. You have created a, a story. You've been living in a false reality. You are the man who took the one little you lamb from the poor man and prepared a meal. And he continues to lay it on him thick. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then, David? Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible thing? David, are you aware of what you've done? Have you so deceived yourself? Have you told yourself a story? Have you forgotten what really happened? Let me remind you, David, for you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. And because you have done this terrible deed, there will be problems in your life for a very long time. Some of you know the story. The baby died. David's son Amnon raped David's daughter. David's other son, Absalom, kills Amnon for raping his sister. Absalom tries to overthrow the kingdom and is somewhat successful. And there are problems everywhere in David's life. Why? Because he refused to get a grip on reality. Listen to what Nathan says. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. And finally, David has this moment, this moment of clarity, this moment of honesty. Listen to what he says. He confesses, Nathan, I'm the guy. Yes, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord. Listen, when we don't face reality, when we don't come to grips with the truth, things go from bad to worse in our lives. So how do we do it? How do you and I prevent this whole scenario that David fell into from, from denying what's actually happening in our lives? How do we face reality? Four, four, four ideas and then we'll get out of here. Number one, we've got to assume that we're missing it somewhere. We've got to come to the table, come to the situation, assuming that we're not seeing the whole deal. Like the, maybe we're seeing 75% of what's actually happening and we're not seeing 25%. We have a problem with thinking that we see more than we can see. No one sees all of the truth. I remember years ago, uh, my wife and I, we started as the youth pastors here way, way back about 15 years ago. And, and uh, it was the first job that I ever had out of college. And, I, and, and the salary wasn't much, but to a, to a kid coming out of college, I thought it was a lot of money. And so what did we do? We did what everybody else who was 21 years old did. We went and built a house. And, and uh, got a mortgage. That was fun. You never had a mortgage before, right? And, uh, and then we've got a, a brand new car because, hey, she was doing it and they were doing it and you can get a lease and, and all this stuff. So we get this brand new car and we had college loans still to pay for. And, and we thought we were just kind of like, we made it. 22, 20 years, brand new home, brand new car. And then I had a friend of mine come into town for, to do a little conference. He was a little bit older and he was a little bit wiser, and he stayed at my house 
And he started looking around. He saw our new house and he saw our new car. And he started asking questions and poking and prodding, which made me uncomfortable. But, you know, I trusted him. And then, and then he just laid it on us. He laid it on Jackie and I hard. He said, you know what? You guys can't afford all this. I was like, what are you talking about, dude? We have made it. You know, I mean, look, look at this. What do you, what, we can make our payments? Like that's what, it, that's what, at the end of the day, that was what it came down to. If we can make our payments, we must be okay, right? Isn't that true? <laughs> that's what people think. And say, no, no, so you don't understand. Your income is this and your debt is this and this and this. And you're never gonna be able to get out if you keep doing this and this and this. And your college loans, you got credit card debt. And our eyes started to open up. See, what we thought, we thought we were seeing the picture as it was. And this guy started talking about Dave Ramsey. Some of you think of him and you call him Damn Ramsey. And I understand that. I do. I get it. Because it's hard. We get some emails about that one. I know. It's a cussing pastor. And you can't believe it. But, but that's somehow, somehow you think about Dave. And he started to introduce to us ideas about getting out of debt and doing all this and having margin and, and all this. It just changed our lives. What did this guy do for us? He came in and he filled in the gaps for us. See, you have gaps financially, relationally, in your marriage, emotionally, spiritually. You have gaps. You can't see it all. Listen to what the Bible says. Watch this. Proverbs 28. Again, Solomon to his son. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Whoever thinks they know it all, that's how you could translate this. Whoever thinks they know it all is silly, foolish. No one knows it all, but whoever walks in wisdom will be delivered. What does that mean? That means that if I admit that I can't see the whole picture, that's going to humble me. That's going to open me up to the opinions of other people. They're going to fill in some gaps for me. That's going to lead to wisdom and that will deliver me from what? Financial ruin, ruin in my marriage, ruin in my parenting, ruin in my spiritual life, how I deal with the opposite sex. I will be delivered and so will you. If we simply come to the table and assume we don't know it all. That's number one. That's how we face reality. Number two, we got to believe it's better to face reality than to continue to live in denial. See, the reason that we are living in denial or denying reality in some area of our lives is because it's more comfortable. We think it's better for ourselves. But I'm telling you, you cannot fix what you do not face. You cannot move forward in your life if you're not willing to face what's actually happening. It's not better for you to live in denial. It's actually better for you to go through the path of, of the truth even though it's painful for a time. Why? Because that's how you can fix the issues in your life. Again, listen to Solomon talking to his son. People who conceal their sins, cover them up, fail to live in reality. They will not, say it with me, prosper. This word means to advance, to move forward. This is exactly what King David did. He covered up his sin. When he couldn't get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, he killed him and brought Bathsheba into his own home as his wife. How did it work out for him? Not too good. On the other hand, if you confess your sin and turn from your sins, you will receive mercy. I wonder what would have happened in David's life had he just came clean right after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and said, man, I don't know what I've been th I was thinking. Well, we all know what he was thinking, but well, I, I just, I shouldn't have done that. It was wrong and I need to confess it to this person. I need to get it right with the priest. And what would have happened if he would have just come clean really quick? Something tells me that the baby wouldn't have died. I can't tell. I can't tell you, but I just have a hunch that, that Amnon wouldn't have raped his daughter. I, I just have a hunch that Absalom wouldn't have killed Ammon. I just have a hunch that Absalom probably wouldn't have tried to overthrow. I just, I, but we don't know. 
Here's what, we do, here's what we do know. If he would have come clean, he would have received mercy. See, it is better for you and I to live in reality than to live in denial. We have to believe that in our heart. That sets us up to do number three. Number three in your notes there. We need to ask for help and be willing to receive it. Ask for help and be willing to receive it. See, if I assume I can't see it all, and I only have 75%, maybe less, a picture of what's happening, right? And I believe it's better to live in reality than to live in denial or to self-medicate. Then that sets me up to say, okay, well, God, you know, what, what do you think? Like, where am I missing it? Like, help me. And, and ironically, that's exactly the advice that David gave us in Psalm 139. Listen, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought, thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. God, is there anything? Search me out. Here's my heart. I'm opening up my soul to you. Where have I gone, gotten this wrong? Is it my temper? Is it my overspending? Is it my overeating? Is it my laziness? Is it my pride? What, like, where is it? God, show me. I don't want to live in denial. I don't want to fail to see reality. And lead me on the path of everlasting life. Of course, when we do this, it leads us to this book. I tell you all the time, man, spend time in the scriptures every day. Spend time in the scriptures every day. Read them, memorize them, meditate on them, study them. Why? So that you can come to grips with what is real. In this book, we find a picture of reality. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. Watch what happens. It imparts understanding to who? To who? The simple, the people don't have, that don't have a picture of, of what's really going on. See, as I open up this word, I get insight on how to be a better husband. I get insight on how to be a better father. I get insight on how to be a better Christ follower. I, I get to see what's really happening when I open up this book. We, we go to God and then we also go to other people. This is why we love small groups around here because other people can help fill in the gaps of what we're missing. And so we lean into each other and we say, hey, this is, we're thinking about purchasing a home and, and here's the three things you know, we got in order to do that. What do you guys think? Hey, we're thinking about transferring our student from this high school to this high school. Hey, these are the factors. What do you guys see? Hey, we're thinking about adopting a child and here's the, here's the way we're gonna do it. Here's the organization we're gonna use. Hey, what, 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 we can't see the whole picture. What do you guys think? And you open yourself up to other people. Listen to what Solomon said to his son, Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for a lack of what? Advice. But the opposite is true. Many advisors bring, bring success. Nobody knows it all. So just lean into other people and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's the career change I'm thinking about having. Here's the shift I wanna do. I wanna th I'm thinking about starting a company. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Many advisors, wh why do many advisors bring success? Because they fill in the gaps. They see things you don't see. Yes or no? Number three, ask for help and be willing to hear it and receive it. Let's talk about number four, probably this where the rubber meets the road. You and I, we've gotta make the adjustment. After you hear from God, from his word, or after you hear from a friend, you have to make the adjustment. See, it wasn't enough for me to hear from my friend that we couldn't afford everything that we had purchased. It wasn't enough. We actually took action. We actually made the adjustment. We actually sold our car. That was a painful day. <laughs> We actually started to sell everything. We, did, we got on this thing called the debt snowball. Maybe you've heard of it. We stopped purchasing things. We made the adjustments that we needed to make to get our finances back in order. 
It's not enough just to hear something. You have to take action and make the adjustments. See, here's the danger of what's going on here today. You're always in danger when you come to church. You are. And, And here's the danger. It's not a physical danger. The danger is this. Anytime that you hear a talk or a presentation of any, t- any kind and you hear ideas or perspectives and intellectually you say, oh, you know what? That's pretty, I think I agree with that. You know, and I, I, okay, I understand that. Here's what your brain does. And it happens to me too. Your brain tells you that you've actually done something, but you haven't. All you did was hear a what? A talk. All you did was agree with a couple of ideas. But your brain tells you, and some of you are going to leave here and say, I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> we went to church today. I know we were late, but we went, and I, I agreed with one of his ideas. Did you hear you should face reality? It's a good idea. It's better to do that and live in denial. And then you walk out of here, and you might even go tell your coworkers tomorrow about this. Yeah, my pastor said you should face reality. You guys are here. You ain't doing it. And they're looking back at you thinking, you are one gigantic hypocrite, dude. That's the danger. See, that's why James said, you need to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. See, when you only listen and you fail to make the adjustment, you're lying to yourself, thinking that you've made an advancement and you haven't. You're right where you are before you walked in. So here, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me ask you a question. Where have you been living in denial? Come on, this is rubber meets the road. This is, let's get down to it. Is it your health and fitness? I'm not that out of shape. I'm just big boned. Come on, come on. I know, I know you pro- some of you are not going to come back because this is hard. This is hard. We, we deal with real life here. This is hard stuff. Is it in your financial life? You're just not dealing with it. Some of you don't even look at your bank statements. So you don't even look at your online accounts. You don't even want to look at it. You want to see, you don't want to see what it is? <laughs> How about in a relationship? You know it's bad, you know there's issues, you know there's bitterness, you know there's resentment, you know there's unforgiveness, but you don't wanna, you don't wanna touch it, you don't wanna be there. Where have you been living in denial? Where have you been, been refusing to face reality? You gotta get that down, that area, that thing. And then you gotta say to yourself, if this is true about me, if I do have a problem with anger, or bullying my spouse, or fear and anxiety and worry, whatever, right? If that's true about me, then I will blank. And unless you can fill in the blank, (laughs) nothing will change. Because it's when we take action that things begin to change in our life. Do you agree with this, yes or no? My heart for you as your pastor is to get to the point where anger is no longer an issue for you. And pornography and lust and cheating is no longer an issue for you. Because you faced it, you owned it, and then you made the adjustment. What am I talking about? Seeing a counselor, memorizing every verse in the Bible on that issue, checking yourself into a rehab center, coming clean about the alcohol to your small group leader. Hey, the the real issue is I I have an alcohol problem. I'm gonna stop denying it. It is what it is. I drink four or five drinks every night. I have an alcohol issue. I've been denying it. And start to take the steps. Maybe you start going to AA. But unless you take those action steps, you won't change. Because here's, 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 the, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus said it better than I could ever say. He said, at the end of the day, the truth will set you 
I'm trying to help you come to grips with reality so that eventually you will be free from the fear, free from the anger, free from the pride, free from the worry and the fear in your life. That's what God wants in your life. Imagine that. Imagine how beautiful that would be if the marriage issues were resolved. Imagine that. Imagine if you could finally break through spiritually and, and begin to experience the presence of Christ every day because you work through your struggles with, with sin or, or prayer or whatever's hanging you up spiritually. Imagine, imagine that. That's what God wants for you. Now, Jesus is the one who talked about reality more than anybody else. He was the ultimate reality. He said one time, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said one time, I'm the living water. He said one time, I'm the bread of life. I'm the door. <laughs> he said, I, I am a, the picture. I am, a, I am the way into ultimate reality. One time he said it like this to a guy named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. They were having a little conversation. He said, here's the deal, Nicodemus. I'm going to tell you the truth. And remember what truth is. Truth is ultimate reality. I'm going to tell you what's really going on in the world. Unless you are born again... You cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, let me understand. Let me, let me help you. You're born once from your mother, but there has to be a second birth, a spiritual birth. There's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. Nicodemus, you have to understand that I came into the world to introduce you to spiritual life. That's ultimate reality. It's unseen reality, but it is just as real as everything that you can see with your eyes. You must be born from the Spirit. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, that's why I came. I came to die on a cross to remove your sin and the penalty of sin. I came to bring my Spirit and place my Spirit inside of you to bring you alive spiritually. Of course, Nicodemus didn't understand. I think he did eventually. But that is ultimate reality. Have you stepped into it? Now, now I'm not talking about joining a church and I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm talking about being born again. I'm talking about experiencing spiritual life. You say, how do I do that? Well, the way you do that is you trust Christ. You put your confidence in him. You put your faith in him. You say to him, I believe you died on the cross to give me spiritual life that begins right now and continues on forever. And you put your life in his hands. If you'd like to make that decision today, if you feel the tugging on your heart, that's God. That's the spirit of God saying this moment's for you. Step into it. Trust Jesus, confess your sins, put your trust in him. I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. You can take these words and make them your own. Just close your eyes and bow your head. You're watching online, whatever campus you're at, right now in this moment, this is designed for you. Take these words and make them your own. Jesus, I trust you. Breathe your life into me, your spirit. I confess my sin. I believe you died on the cross for it. To make me your child, your son, your daughter. I put my life in your hands. I trust you. From this day forward, teach me to follow, to love, to learn, to honor you to invite others in to reality. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
if you just prayed that prayer, our church loves to celebrate with you, don't we guys? Come on, raise it high. If you just ask Christ to be your savior, we have a, a little New Testament we wanna give you on the way out, whatever campus you're at. If you're prayed to receive Christ online, there's a little box there you can check that says I accepted Christ. If you put your address in there, we'll send one of these to in your mail. Also, we wanna to talk to you about Starting Point. This is for folks who have questions about faith, God, the Bible, Jesus, all that stuff. It's a small group environment designed to help you just kind of go at a, at a slow pace and get answers to your questions. One more time, guys, can we give God a hand for what he's doing? Amen, raise it high, come on, guys.